mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cinenauts! Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to Synonauts, exploring the criterion. Later in this episode, we're going to talk about Michael Bay's 1996 <laughs> Criterion Collection Oof. classic, The Rock. Talk about exploring the criterion. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah this is... Expo- <laughs> all corners, all corners, all facets. All corners of it. Uh, for, for those who didn't listen last week, um, Boom and I, when, when Catcher announced that he was going to pick The Rock, <laughs> Boom and I had some choice words for him, assuming he was just breaking the rules as he's been known to do regularly. on this podcast. On, regularly. And just, regularly. And just punishing us uh, with this selection. But we were surprised and shocked to find out that it is indeed in the Criterion Collection. Um, <laughs> so we will be talking about that a little later in this in episode. an bad boy playing by the rules for once. Listen, you know what? You got to <laughs> zig when they zag. You know, that's when they expect you to zig, you zag or whatever. However, that's saying goes. That's what you have to do. Yeah, we we were zigging and zagging. Though. <laughs> I that's actually sure. I, I listened back, obviously, to the episode before it goes out just to check stuff out. And I must have replayed that sequence like four or five times. It was so funny. Ian was shook. <laughs> shook in his in his pain. I was it was the, I was I wanted to like make a video you know that video of like the people reacting on zoom and they're like screaming <laughs> and crying I was like I wanted to just like make a video of like catcher just like <laughs> presenting the rock to us and just freaking out it was great it was uh, Scott it was great but before we get to the rock let's catch up uh, yeah. What did what did you guys do this week? I binged uh, Allen versus Pharaoh, like the uh, uh, Woody Allen Let's documentary dish. series. Hey everyone, stepping in here really quickly. Uh, we are just about to talk about the Woody Allen Mia Farrow documentary, and we do discuss uh, some sexual assault issues uh, and themes and topics that come along with the documentary. So if you'd rather not listen to that, you can go ahead and skip to about 11 minutes, 45 seconds, uh, and then go on from there. Uh, I don't know. I was never a big fan of Woody Allen. I never watched. I mm-hmm. I saw, what was the one, the famous one with Diane Keaton? Annie Hall. I watched that a couple of years ago just because, obviously, Diane Keaton is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And so never like really got into his stuff. And then I had always heard like rumors of weird stuff and like marrying his stepdaughter and all this other stuff, which I guess technically isn't true. It's not his stepdaughter, but um, either way, this documentary was just like upsetting and uh, difficult to watch, shocking, but not, but also Mm. just like. Uh, yeah, just a lot of information. I am willing to accept other sides of the story, um, but the pa- the painting that they, the picture they painted in this documentary is quite alarming. Um, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, we can definitely get into more of it, but yeah. Ian, what did you think? I watched the first episode. I haven't finished the rest of it yet. Um, I, I probably will. My thing with Woody Allen 
is a he's not that good of a director i think mm. he has like four like really important movies like to to film like manhattan uh annie hall obviously being like the top two there he no doubt has his place like in film history but he has like 50 or 60 director credits and like mm. most of his movies are bad so i don't understand why like a lot of people revere him for like having an awful like batting average in terms of like good movies because yeah. like you know like kubrick he has eight movies or nine movies and they're all amazing but that doesn't mean you only have to make a small amount of movies to be amazing like spielberg has a sh- shit ton of movies sorry james totally <laughs> and most of them are very very good so i don't understand really like woody allen's place in film history i get that like in the time he and they kind of touched on this in the first episode that he was going to be you know he was like a pop culture icon so i understand that but that was in the 70s like yeah. come on I don't know. That's a long, that was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) A long time ago. Uh, And then my other thing is that let's just like say nothing else happened with Woody Allen's story other than the fact that he married his adopted daughter. That should be the end of the conversation. I will give the, the benefit, not the benefit of the doubt, but it's technically not his child. He never adopted her. So the situation Mm -hmm. is she was adopted. She lived within the family. She was adopted by Mia Farrow. At a different time, she's the oldest of the kids, I believe, of all her adopted kids, I'm pretty sure. Um, and they met when she was still in high school. Still in high a school, child. yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. this film claims that <laughs> they found, that Mia Farrow had found, like, really, like, uh, illicit photos of her in Woody's, like, room or oh. office or something. Ugh. So, That's so ugh. unfortunate. Yeah. So it's like. What? Like, again, like you said, Ian, if none of the rest of it was false, like if the rest of it was all a lie and publicity, Mm -hmm. what kind of thought process is that? Like, I respect that. Okay, sure. Like, he's not, you didn't even adopt her. She just happens to be around. But it's like, listen, it's not like you're short on supply on trying to find someone you love. Like, you don't just get to love one kind. It's not, there isn't one true love. Okay. That's not a thing that exists. That's not, okay? This isn't the movies. This is real life. And you can make choices as a human being. Right. And there are lines you just shouldn't cross. And I think this is all, that yeah. all of that is questionable. 100%. And also, yeah. why, like, why, <laughs> why lie for this long only to be scrutinized for your entire life and continue to defend, like, your, like, what? Wait, the, sorry, I haven't seen it. So who who's lying? Yeah, so basically she there's an adopted daughter. He adopts her. He has a close connection with her. And then s- weird stuff throughout her entire childhood was sort of strange. And then one uh, weekend, he was caught by the babysitter, like having his hand like in between her legs. And then also Ooh, they okay. disappeared for okay. a few, like about 20 minutes. No one could find them. And some shit stuff could have also happened around that time. Yikes. And so, yeah, it's really intense. It's really intense documentary. Yeah. Um, they get into some ser- mm-hmm. like, you know, some pretty serious allegations. And like, I'm not a lawyer, but yeah. there's a lot of interesting evidence. Mia Farrow, there's some things about the way she raised, like she basically just adopts mm-hmm. children on mass. She's got dozens of mm-hmm. kids at, 
like with her at all times pretty oh much. Gosh, okay. And I question sort of the reasoning behind that. Um, and there's definitely some mm-hmm. questions there, but it's a pretty damning, if any of it, if 90% of it is true, 80% of it is true, it's incredibly damning and really scary stuff. So my thing with kind of all like true crime stories like this is when they interview mm-hmm. like Mia and some of her family friends, it's just very easy to get like revisionist history on what they believe happened to like make it seem like they were more in like they cared more. I don't know. Like some people in the documentary were like, you know, I saw that and I really thought like, I don't know, like that seems weird. I'm like, yeah, but then you said like five years later you said something and it took you five years to like, I don't know. I have like very little sympathy and like I have sympathy for the kids because I feel like they were just surrounded by complete ignorance or like predatory or predators like there's no way you know i don't know it's it's just hard to watch because like it's like i get mia farrow is you know coming forward with like these stories but it's also like it's hard when you hear her saying like yeah i saw it and like i just thought it was you know kind of weird i'm like yeah i think think (laughs) that happens a lot lot. lot, right like i remember the the Michael finding Neverland or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that one was. And like the parents to like the parents giving their accounts of like things that like seemed off, but like they just like didn't bat, a, bat an eye at because yeah. they're like, it's Michael Jackson. He's so famous. And I'm just like, well, th- there's just a thousand red flags there for me. Yeah. Um, and that makes me really mad. Like, I'm, I don't know if that counts as victim blaming. I hope it doesn't. But for mm-hmm. me, I'm just like, that just seems ignorant. Like if, if like catcher yeah. came up to me and was like, Hey, I saw, you know, so-and-so like she was like hugging my kid for a long time. But like, that's like fucking weird, dude. Like a hundred percent, you know, like you, like you say that, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird to me when people say like, yeah, I saw it, but like, I, I don't know. I just have, yeah. it's totally. just weird. I mean, hindsight's I 2020, like, I guess, but it's, it's, it's interesting because these documentaries and like these things that are coming out, it's like these become the platforms for like people to speak up on these issues. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that means people watching them are and just the conversations that are having pe- we're having in general are like helping people be a little bit more vigilant when it comes to these things um because it is it is very important to kind of just like keep your eyes out and be vocal about it right mm-hmm. um and I haven't seen this series so I like I can't really speak on it I thought like it seems like there's like a lot going on there so like I'll watch it but it's just um it's just yeah. wild to me And we should we should also say that one of Mia's other adopted children, I haven't read the full thing yet, made a statement, right? Kind of counter countering what Mia Farrow was saying in the documentary. Yeah, yeah, that he did. I actually ended up reading it and we had been talking about this, me and you, with some of our friends Mm -hmm. earlier this week. And one of our friends suggested reading it and they actually bring it up in the documentary. And uh, yeah, I won't I won't get into it anymore. Like if you guys want to watch it, check it out. The documentary does give some interesting responses to like his allegations, his like response um, that I think mm-hmm. are, are interesting mm-hmm. and at the very least compelling. But um, it's a well put together documentary. I will say that it's really well yeah. done. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, check it out. Sweet. Anything else? <laughs> then I also <laughs> yeah right. Uh, oh yeah. So two things. So uh, I started watching Last Chance You basketball on Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. New season. New this season, is the right? first, I think, time they're doing basketball. Previous last chance mm-hmm. you, I believe, was football. I might be wrong about that. Um, but so mm-hmm. far, so good. I'm getting sort of hoop dream vibes. Uh, 
Um, whether mm. the quality of that will continue, I'm not sure. But um, for anyone who's not seen Hoop Dreams, Criterion Collection, Hoop Dreams is in there. You should check it out. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is I finally pulled the trigger and I joined the 70 millimeter guys uh, Patreon and I jumped in the chat yeah. last week mm-hmm. um, for recording an episode and it was fun and a total blast. So shout out to 70 millimeter. Those guys are doing great work over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to their show every week. Um, so it's cool to like hang out with a bunch of their listeners while they record. It's a cool thing. I watched, I have another apology to make to catcher because I have heard Catcher talk about the Wachowskis Speed Racer yes. for, what, how long have I known you? Two years now, Catcher? Yeah. And I have constantly, there. I'm sure there is text evidence of me just roasting him for even liking that movie. <laughs> I haven't, and I just like never watched it because I just heard the reviews are terrible and I got kind of mad that it was whitewashed. When I got letterboxed a few years ago, like before a bunch of our friends started using it, I'd gotten it like maybe a year prior or something like that, but never used it. The only two films I rated on there was The Fountain and Speed Racer <laughs> because I always oh thought that Speed Racer was the movie that- it was so underappreciated. It's a 3D movie without actually being 3D. It came before the 3D phase. It, I saw it in IMAX. It was so cool, and it's underappreciated. So, Ian, go ahead. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I would, didn't watch it because I heard it was awful and just, like, spastic, and I got annoyed at, like, the whitewashing of the characters. But I watched it this week, and mm. it is, like, damn good. It's really, really good. It, like, I was super nice. impressed. And when you watch it in the context of the movie – it doesn't feel like whitewashing. I That sounds like not very good Asian to me to say that, but it really doesn't. Like, it doesn't take place mm-hmm. in Japan. It doesn't take place... It doesn't really... I mean, it takes place in, like, our what we know as, like, our Earth, but it's not... Like, you watch right. it for two seconds, and it's not at all. Yeah. Um, so, wait, is Speed Racer derivative of, like, something... It's an anime. Yeah, it was originally... It's an anime. anime. Okay, got you. And it just doesn't... So, like, they've done it in a way that you feel doesn't feel like... They're like appropriating the culture, like yeah, fully. And like knowing the Wachowskis, they like love Japanese culture and like respect it very much. And yeah, like, I mean, they did the Animatrix and all this sort of stuff, so they're like very in tune with it. So it does seem more like it does when you watch it, like very homagey, yeah, and like paying tribute versus just like trying to like take it as theirs. Um, but man, that movie was awesome. It was it was yeah. really cool. I was the thing I most remember from it coming out was everyone saying like, if you have any chance of having a seizure do not watch this movie mm. that is 100 percent true mm. it is just like an assault <coughs> on your eyes and ears for like two hours straight like yeah. the lights are just like the last 20 oh minutes of the movie i like kind of had, had trouble being like holy shit like this is insane um but it was really really good okay that kind of makes yeah. me it, excited it was really cool to watch. Yeah. <laughs> i love i love yeah, stuff I like mean, that it, it, was, it was cool to watch there's, so really really enjoy that so that's my second apology to catcher on this episode listen there's let's no see. need to apologize this let's just <laughs> as long as we can spread the word on speed racer that's all i want like i'm 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 really <laughs> excited hopefully we'll get a chance to do one for an edition one day because i really truly mm-hmm. believe yeah the, I the would visuals are incredible the editing their philosophy mm-hmm. with regards to editing, like if you do a little bit of research on this movie, it's blow your brain apart. It's so cool. And boom, what about you? Um, Yeah, so I, I guess like in my attempt to have like an opinion about absolutely everything that goes on <laughs> on this here earth, um, I started uh, my Star Wars journey. Oh, Thank you. So excited. Thank you so much. Oh. 
I've been getting just the best text messages from Boom through this experience. What? Why aren't I on these? Are you serious? I'm sorry. What the fuck? (laughs) Holy. Okay, I'm sorry. I saw a few to go. I want the Um, live reaction. What the hell? Wow. Yes, I was doing in the actually in like the 70 millimeter Discord yesterday. I was watching uh, the Last Jedi Mm. and like doing live reacts. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> in there because I was like what is this even oh my goodness um but yeah so I've seen obviously seen a few here and there obviously Starbucks or Star- wow. <laughs> Star Wars obviously Star Wars is not something you can escape in life mm-hmm. like just by living and breathing you know you are constantly being exposed to spoilers like you know everything like I knew what an Ewok is before I knew how to walk, oh, like, hello, you know, TM, TM. but that just that. came out. That just came out anyway. <laughs> so I did a journey. I'm all the way up to the last Jedi. So I have rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. to go. Ooh. And then I still need to watch rogue one and mm. solo. Um, but I've done it all. <laughs> like I, I did like the first, tri- <laughs> I did the first trilogy. I did the prequels, um, which were wild. I would I feel like there's not much like there's not anything that hasn't been said about the like original. Mm -hmm. So I'll kind of just like leave that Um, for the second. I will say or sorry for like the prequels. Mm -hmm. I'll say that I don't think that they're as bad as everybody says they are. Like they're not amazing. Um, I think I think the third episode three is better than Return of the Jedi. I would put episode three in my top three favorite Star Wars movies, probably. See, I used to say that, and I didn't watch, like, in quarantine when I was off for two Mm -hmm. months. Mm -hmm. And I actually, like, of the three of them, it's my least favorite of the three prequel movies. Mm. I think it's... I don't... Really? I thought this... No, go ahead. I thought the third... The third one was my favorite. Like, that's the one I rated Mm -hmm. the highest because I thought it all just came together Mm -hmm. nicely. It was a little bit easier to follow than the other mm-hmm. ones. Like I like the political stuff and all the like, <laughs> like the trade House stuff. House of it's Cards cool. episode one. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it just gets a little too convoluted mm-hmm. and they don't spend enough time like easing the audience mm-hmm. into it. And they're just kind of, you're kind of just like jolting us around worlds and we're like, what is even happening? Um, what I did like is like the courtship of Padme mm-hmm. and Anakin as cringy so as it is, but Allen, it's like, when do you actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, I'm no. kidding. <laughs> um, but it's like, when do you actually, especially in like sci-fi get to see like a courtship? It's always just like, okay, we're in love. Yeah. Like mm. that, this is happening. But it's like seeing them on like freaking dates and like talking about their like hopes when, and dreams when, and like political when views. I mean, like, this is her, hilarious. When he passes her the peat of the pear, the CG <laughs> and when they're eating dinner, <laughs> like flows it over to her and she bites it. I'm like, oh my god, it's so the bad. animation of yeah. the apple peas when it's, it's so bitten, bad. it's horrendous. It's, so it's bad. really it's bad. So bad. Oh, uh, I don't know. Like the way I could, ex- oh, I didn't think that the CG was as bad as everybody says it is. Um, I think it was quite bad in the second mm-hmm. one. Like that's where things got mm-hmm. a little nuts. But the first one, like that racing, racing that yeah. race scene, like the sound Dope. design and and like the the CG for that was like freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah, and yeah, so 
I mean, obviously you could go on uh, about Star Wars forever, but it's been fun and I'm excited to kind of like finish it and say, and then be able to speak about Star Wars in confidence. You know, I have a Millennium Falcon tattoo. You have one? (laughs) I have a Millennium Falcon tattoo. Do you really? Yeah. I love that for you. On my arm. No way. And it says says never, it says never tell me the odds. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, I'm wearing a, I don't know if you can. That is incredible. Amazing. Was that your first tattoo? I love that. No, it was like my fourth or something. Amazing. I don't have any tattoos. I need to do that. (laughs) Anyway, anything else, Boom? But yeah. Um, Star Wars takes a lot no, of time. Yeah, that's eight much, movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've like just straight up been straight up doing nice. Star War- Starbucks. Just Starbucks every day, every, all the time. <laughs> we'll okay. probably need to get a, we'll need to get the full <laughs> recap next week then when you finish up. Yes, I shall. I'll give a proper, <laughs> proper review. Rundown. Um, <laughs> awesome. So that was our very wild string of movies that we watched this week. What, Catcher, you? <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, all over the place today. Uh, but before we get to our discussion of The Rock, uh, I do want to ask people, <laughs> there are a lot of people who listen to the show, and thank you all for listening. And I know most of you listen on Spotify, um, but if you're able to, we would greatly appreciate if you could go into the Apple Podcasts app and rate and review us in there, because I think we only like four or something like that. And... Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you guys could read it, uh, give us some reviews there. Um, if you do, yeah. we'll read them out loud here on the air. Yeah, if you guys are loving the show, this is like one of the best ways you can sort of like bump us up and give yep. us some help, um, spread us, spread the, the great news for us. So. Yeah. Uh, Jobadai25 <laughs> said, Boom, Catcher, and Ian have great chemistry and bring lots of fun and thoughtful insight to movies from all over the genre board. And Phil Ortz says, Aww. Pure Joy, a wonderful film pod covering <clears throat> the much-beloved Criterion Collection. Yeah, so thank you for those. But yeah, please please get them in. We have eight ratings, uh, and someone has trolled us with the nice. one star for some reason. So I'm sorry, whoever gave us that <laughs> We one love star. you. Well, whatever we did to offend you. Uh, <laughs> Watch The Fountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could have been, been dying for The Fountain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get those in, please. We'd appreciate that. Um, yeah, so let's get into the rock uh but before boom uh but before catcher takes us away the rock here is the uh here is the call (laughs) here's the tagline alcatraz only one man has ever broken out now five million lives depend on two men breaking in my god (laughs) if only it were that simple that's it if only were that simple uh, Nicholas Cage plays a chemical warfare expert named Stanley Goodspeed. The greatest name in film history. <laughs> really iconic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he is summoned to San Francisco to Alcatraz when a group of ex-Marines take over Alcatraz, uh, demanding $100 million in war reparations, or they will release a toxic bomb over San Francisco, killing 5 million people. Uh, unfortunately, Nicholas Cage, he is not a military expert. Uh, and in fact, Alcatraz is so tight that they had to call in the only man to ever escape from Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> a man who goes by the name of John Patrick Mason, played by Sean Connery. Uh, they hire him as sort of like a mercenary to come in 
and help save the day. So, Catcher, where are you taking us? Uh, where do you even start with this movie? Um, I guess we'll go back uh, to 1984. Jerry Brockheimer's for, uh, big splash as a producer. Not his first produced work, but the big one. The one that lands. Flashdance. The following year, we would see the release of Beverly Hills Cop. And the start of a run that will blow Ian's mind. <laughs> Top Gun. Mm. Beverly Hills Cop 2. <laughs> okay. Days of Thunder. Yes. Bad Boys. Dangerous Minds. The mm-hmm. Rock. Con Air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And closes out the 1990s with Enemy of the State mm-hmm. and Armageddon. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, baby. The 2000s were a <laughs> bit of a mixed bag. But it did include Gone in 60 Seconds, Remember the Titans, National Treasure, and its sequels. And what must be the most successful film franchise other than, like, Marvel or Star Wars. Sure. Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. This dude was mm. cranking out the hits. Not a slouch. Uh, along for the action-packed bro-fest that is The Rock, we have Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. I don't really have that much to say about uh, Michael Bay other than these two amazing lines that I read on his Wikipedia page. One. We only do the best research here. That's right. Uh, One. Michael Bay is an American film director and producer. He is best known for making big big budget, high concept action films characterized by fast cutting, stylistic cinematography and visuals, and extensive use of special, uh, special effects, including frequent depictions of explosions. (laughs) That's an accurate description Number two Bay got his start in the film industry Interning with George Lucas when he was 15 Filing the storyboards for Raiders of the Lost Ark Which he thought was going to be terrible His opinion (laughs) changed after seeing the film in theaters And he was so impressed by the experience He decided to become a film director Hmm. That's Michael Bay I know that's all I'm going to say about that His films have grossed (laughs) $7.8 billion worldwide so crazy. Don't. So Michael Bay is rich. Yeah. He's got no kids, by the way, no wife. He's a single man. This guy's chilling. Cashing in those checks. That's right. Lives in Miami. Come on. Next, the script. Oh, boy. The script. The spec script was written by David Weisenberg and Douglas Cook. And then it was reworked by several writers, but only one of those writers, Mark Rosner, was credited. Aaron Sorkin and Quentin Tarantino both gave uncredited rewrites. And Jonathan Hensley was a major script contributor, but due to film industry rules, was not eligible for credit. On top of that, Sean Connery himself hired writers Dick Clement and Ian Lafrene to rewrite his lines, but ended up actually altering much of this film's dialogue. This is all to say that, in the end, most of Nick Cage's lines were actually ad-libbed. So what is this long and oddly placed (laughs) intro that I'm spindling around here? And really, what I'm trying to express is the experience I had watching this movie, which was a lot. (laughs) of big names, big stars. This movie is one of those movies where every time a character randomly comes out of nowhere and has a line, you look at them and you say like, oh, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. Every time, every, at any small line, someone pops up, you're like, oh, wait a second, mm-hmm. it's that guy. His name or their name, I'm not sure, but I always know them as that guy. Mm-hmm. You have this crazy director who goes big and goes crazy and doesn't know anything about small. And one of the biggest producers of you know, the 90s for sure Mm-hmm. And you get this crazy mess. And that's sort of what this intro is all about. So I asked you, 
lady and gentlemen. How was your time visiting the rock? <laughs> I think I'm still, I got it. I got in. I think I'm still there to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was wild. I, uh, <laughs> I had a, I had a sneaking <laughs> suspicion that boom would have a hard time putting it, like getting her hands around this. I was just waiting to see yeah. like how she would even approach attacking this. It was just like a, it was like a, a strictly vibes kind of thing yeah. going on. I love, I do love like a big flashy movie. That's for sure. And I did enjoy this and it was fun. Actually, I think I did it right because Sophie and I like did a, like a Netflix mm -hmm. party kind of thing. Cause Disney has like a sharing uh, feature now, Disney? which is a, this was on Disney plus. Yeah. It's on Disney this is plus. On Disney yeah. plus. I, I rented yeah. this. I paid for it. And it's on stars oh, no, and you Ian. guys don't get stars. No. no, we do get stars. We get stars. Oh, but then, it's yeah. Not, yeah. Then I, you, you could, I just like, yeah. honestly, I just like searched really quickly and it was on there, but that's anyway. amazing. Well, you just made Michael Bay even richer. So good <laughs> yeah. for you, Ian. No, <laughs> no. So yeah, I did it right. Like, so Sophie and I like did it or like watched it like simultaneously. And we're just like commenting the whole time and it was fun mm -hmm. I miss so much like just being in the movie theater and like screaming not screaming but like just like hooting and hollering at the screen and like that this very much so gave me that vibe like it's just a wild ride ridiculous over the top um I definitely was kind of watching it through the lens of like trying to understand why it was in the criterion the whole time <laughs> so I kind of had to do I did a like was kind of like a rewatch today because I was just like, I need to stop trying to like fit it into this box and just let it be because yes. <laughs> it's never going to make sense. It's never <laughs> going to make sense. And <laughs> that's okay. But I had a lot of fun watching this and it was wild. Absolutely <laughs> wild. So, <laughs> so it's well known. I am a huge fan of Armageddon and therefore I'm kind of always a Michael Bay apologist because <laughs> while I don't think the rock comes anywhere close to Armageddon, I, I did enjoy it and had a ton of fun watching this movie. Nice. And I mean, since boom brought it up anyway, I mean, I think it has its place in the criterion, this and Armageddon just because of what it signified for film in that era. Right. Like if you're thinking of 90s action movies, Michael Bay is probably the first that director you think of. One. Obviously, Jerry Bruckheimer is mm -hmm. like the number one. Michael Bay is like number two or number three. Like Catcher referred to earlier, I mean, Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, and Pearl Harbor yeah. all came out within four years of each other. Three years of each other, actually. A hundred And so, you know, it's just sort of like, while it's not criterion in the way that i think we've been discussing criterion movies on this in any way mm. it is like in terms of its place in popular culture and its place in like movie history i think it absolutely like stands in there you know just just 100 films like this exist for a reason even though we feel like we're poking fun at them or we can like rip mm -hmm. them apart or do anything like that it's just like film at the end of the day is as much as it's everything else, it's culture, it's like social issues, it's this, it's it's art, um, it's also entertainment, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's where 
Michael Bay and Jerry Brockheimer always nail mm-hmm. it like a hundred percent. Um, so yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I get it. <laughs> you cannot like it. It's okay. I did honestly like it. I just like, it wasn't my favorite thing ever, but I liked it for the fact of like, it. it's almost like a guilty watch. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed picking it apart. I enjoyed making fun of it. I enjoyed gasping when like crazy things were happening. Like that's to me is an enjoyable experience and a, and a, and a likable experience, mm-hmm. you know? It's not my favorite thing ever, but. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we talked about Nick Cage uh, and Sean Connery as as two leads. The third, like the villain of this movie is is actually played by Ed Harris. So amazing. Three pretty ridiculously famous actors leading this movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they all have their own sort of uh, pedigree of, of films, but. I think another reason that this stands up is because it just has those three guys like in varying peaks of their careers leading this crazy Mm -hmm. action movie where, you know, at the time it's just like, it's just insane to see that sort of thing, you know, for, for the era. And I think that also sort of factors in there, but, um, catcher already made note of Nicholas cage and his performance. So let's discuss (laughs) catcher. Dr. Stanley Goodspeed. I love a Michael Bay movie name because they stick with you. Like <laughs> Sam Witwicky, Mike Laurie. Like, you know, all of their, I know all of their names. Like, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's the, uh, Bruce's name in Armageddon? Like Stamper or yeah, something? Yeah, Harry Stamper. Like, Whoa, nice. Yeah. Look at that. That's crazy. Oh, what a pull. Uh, yeah, so Nick Cage. Yeah, he's just, it's, his performance is so bananas. Um, and I watched this movie probably... <laughs> two and a half times now i watched it like the next night most of the way then i watched it yesterday uh, not yesterday the day before and then i realized today that i actually didn't remember at all how it ended and so i was just like okay i gotta go back and how did this whole thing even play out because uh, it's just like craziness is happening but something strange happened as i watched this sort of like for the last hour before the show I sort of fell in line with Nick Cage's performance mm-hmm. and I wasn't laughing at it anymore. And I found a groove where I could like accept it in a non like, uh, like not an ironic exactly. way. It wasn't ironic. It was just like, okay, he's putting on this specific kind of role. And then once I let that happen, I started like really enjoying the movie. And I was mm-hmm. like, do I have to go back and watch this now? Like, because my review up until this point was like, it's in there for a reason. Michael Bay is a style crazy man. Um, mm-hmm. It's cool to sort of see his early films and see sort of like what he was up to and, and where he would eventually go. Mm-hmm. I mean, this dude has made a bajillion dollars. Like you want to sort of, it, it'd be interesting to see his beginnings and it's batshit wild. It's batshit mm-hmm. crazy what happens in this movie. Yeah. I mean, Nicholas Cage, probably just because like due to like recency bias, a lot of people think that he's just like, always just sort of phoning in his movies and just like kind of just saying yes to anything he wants. But he is like deeply, at least in these older films, he is deeply like passionate about all his roles. I mean, just for the, for the rock, he like was very specific working with Michael Bay into how he wanted Goodspeed to be. Like he made it a thing where Goodspeed would never swear because he thought like wasn't in the character and, 
and you know he was rewriting lines for scenes and like saying i think we need to do this take because he wouldn't say this like he wasn't just like acting crazy like out of laziness like that is just <laughs> that is just the character he <laughs> thought would That's come out from that you know? and, and you know like right before this he does leaving las vegas he which won is an a oscar for role. that yeah yeah he won an oscar just like a year a uh, year or two before um or i said yeah one year before and you know it's it's kind of after the rock you kind of see him go on the more like action insane roles like again he has the rock con air face off uh, snake bro. eyes <laughs> and eight millimeters within four years yeah um so sort of like after this he kind of obviously has a lot of fun doing these action movies and stuff like that but he still comes back to adaptation a couple years later mm, you know things like that, that so great movie yeah um but I, I think he does he it works in this role for me because there's just something about him like he doesn't it, it perplexes me that he was ever like a like a sex icon at all in his career because he's a goofy looking dude yeah yeah but he <laughs> plays the role of like a passive like not passive of like a you know he dances this role of like a dorky science guy but he also like has the girl and like is sort of like macho in that weird way i don't know there's yeah. something about him that he he plays a character very well and it works for me i just think it's like the role is batshit crazy to, if you think about it to begin with it's like the words he's using like <laughs> like you said he's like with his <laughs> with his girlfriend and she's like he's i'm pregnant and he reacts to it in like the worst way a human being almost could react to a sentence like that <laughs> and like but then he's also a, a chemical scientist but he's not just like a nerdy scientist he's like in the trenches trying to uh, disarm explosive gases and bombs and stuff. And you're just like, who is this guy? And so maybe you need that performance in order to like tie those threads together. I don't know. It's, exactly. it's a sh crazy ass movie though. I, I couldn't tie the threads. Like his, <laughs> that character was such a mystery, yeah, like yeah. so strange and odd to me because it was so all over the place. Like one second he's like the cool, like, kind of cool the whole trying to make him hot thing was like a funny moment sophie like while we were like watching it she messaged me she's like are they trying to make nicholas cage hot right now <laughs> i was like honestly he's not not like i don't know <laughs> no. Amazing. but the char that character is like all over the map and just like emotes like like in a million different ways in like the span of a mm -hmm. second mm -hmm. and, which is also odd for nicholas cage so it was cool. Like it was, it was cool to see him taking risks like that in a movie like this. Like mm -hmm. there's like that one point where like Sean Connery is like holding the gun up to his face and he like lets out that like, <laughs> like that weird, like yell scared sigh yeah. yelp. Yeah. It's just like, Nikki, what you doing boy? Like he's what He's not are interested you in your interpretation. He's got an interpretation. <laughs> Part of me feels like I think he thinks he's got more range then he does. Oh, yeah, of course. And he's just like, he's mm. like hitting 12 and he's like, don't worry, I'm 12 but under control. It's like, no, you're actually at a 14 yeah. and it's not. <laughs> you're not in control right now. It's. But he serves like he serves the movie well. Yeah. Like it, it, it gels like it truly gels. Sean Connery didn't sign on until he found out Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Had signed on <laughs> first. So, <laughs> what? you know, there's there's something about Nicolas Cage and I guess it could be. Uh, well, no, because he must have been filming Leaving Las Vegas at the same time. But there's something obviously about Nicolas Cage that attracts Hollywood, not only 
viewers, but also the actors as, you know, the great Sean Connery joined on. Mm. Um, but I think what stands out to me about Nick Cage is that Sean Connery and Ed Harris are very controlled in this movie. Like they all have their absurd moments, but just having Nicholas Cage is he's just on like a complete another <laughs> level. Uh, I'm like, cause apparently this film was much more serious and much yeah. more, much more like straight ahead, you know? And so yeah. I can kind of like, I kind of want to see that movie, but then at the same time, it's like, but you got this. And but like, I don't think if it was a straight ahead movie, I don't think this movie would have worked. Like, like yeah. the mine car scene, what they did in this movie was not what was planned. They actually ran out of money. So they had to change their initial. I think the initial idea for the mine car scene was that they were actually dangling, like hanging upside down versus like what they ended up doing. And so if they had gone with the original, like more serious script, I think it wouldn't have worked. And I think would not have aged as like in a fun way. It just would have been like, this is a really yeah. try hard movie that just misses. Instead they get Nicholas Cage shoving poison down people's throats and <laughs> Sean Connery, Oof. you know, dangling a guy over the Fairmont in San Francisco. Oh and yes. Iconic. You know, you get these crazy moments that I think come as a result of them being like, actually let's, let's not, make it serious and let's go like really crazy with it. And, and I think it works. Let's, let's chat Sean Connor. What are your thoughts on, on Sir Sean Connery's performance? I honestly had no idea for the longest time after two viewings, I had to read it on Wikipedia why he was even in jail to begin with. I didn't even know. I didn't even catch it. <laughs> they say it in like one line, I think, right? Yeah. It was like the one line I kept missing every time I watched the movie. It was like the line of explaining what he, why he was even there. It's a crazy thing. About that, though, and I think something that Michael Bay does really well and I think works well in movies that just go for it is that they explain kind of everything you need to know, like very, very quickly. Like they don't dance. Yeah. They don't dance around like Ed Harris's character. They explain like what he's doing and why he's there. Like the second he shows up on Alcatraz, basically, like a lot of action movies, they would kind of like dance you around for mm -hmm. like an hour and a half. And then they kind of real like, why is he doing this? But they know all the cards are on the table for every single character, like immediately. Right. You know, which I, I think is 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 good and, and makes it a fun watch that you're not it's mm -hmm. it is does help turn your brain off sooner when you're not trying to figure out sort of the plot of anything. Like they kind of lay it all out there and you know. Totally. You can just have fun with it, right? right. Which is cool. Right. Yeah, they're like very everything is very on the nose. Like yeah. it's very like he's gonna wow you with is visual because it's like the tension would normally come from like not really knowing what's happening mm -hmm. and in, in a movie like this where they're trying to make their way through do they know where they're going are they, where are the bad guys it's like you the i will say this the enemy is actually smart as hell in this movie like mm -hmm. they're always on top of them they mm -hmm. always know where they are like it's never like a, a cat and mouse thing it's i mean it plays out a little bit that way but it's never like, oh, my God, will they catch them? It's like, no, they already know. The second they try and walk away from somewhere, it's like, oh, they're over here. Or Nick Cage is talking too loudly and they find them over there. It's like it's never the tension is always from, I guess, the stakes that he's creating um, mm -hmm. with his visual language. Um, but Sean Connery is just like he is this nice, calm presence through all the crazy, you know, mm -hmm. and especially playing the soft mm -hmm. and um, softer sided man versus like Nick Cage who's going bananas. Um, it makes sense that him <laughs> and Harris would sort of be so calm and collected that way because let's chat about some of the crazy action sequences. Do you guys have favorite 
action moments, action sequences in the in in the movie? For me, probably the shootout. <sighs> Wh- which one? <laughs> the oh, <laughs> true, true. The um, the one when they're like coming up through the the tunnels. The sewer, yeah. in, is the are they in washroom? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they're just in that moment when the the guy is like the one guy is like. He's like, I am a Marine. I know the law. I know you're not a bad guy, but like, I still have to fuck you over. <laughs> it's just like so dramatic and so over the top. Um, and then it, and then the brick drops and then they all just like start shooting at each other. And it, and it's funny too, cause I love how they just like use that to constantly show like how like, um, conflicted Ed Harris is like. Anytime any conflict happens or like people end up dying, he's like, this is not what I meant to happen. It's like, bitch, what did you think was gonna happen? Oh my God. And he's like, hold your fire. You're just screaming for like two minutes. (laughs) Dying around him. Like they can't hear you. The decibels are They're not interested in hearing him out. You know, it's like, no, this is the fun part for them. They get to shoot, shoot, shoot. (laughs) Gatcher, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I actually I was going to say that. I was, like, quite impressed by that. But I think even the um, the scene where, uh, like, just the chase scene with mm-hmm. with the Ferrari and the Hummer and then a trolley, it's just <laughs> yeah, like... And this cable car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's my crazy. God. That Ferrari drives through, like, five, uh, like, parking <laughs> meters, which are cemented deep in that ground, and they just... Drives and right garages, through. like, like glass, glass windows, and <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's so crazy. Like it's uh, that's the only way I can describe this movie. Is crazy. I have no other vocabulary. It's it's, but it's. I was thinking. It's like br- bright yellow Ferrari. It's like he steals the Ferrari, <laughs> then he steals another guy's bike, and he's just like, I'm going. It's and and all for what? All of this madness so that Sean Connery can like can meet, meet his, his daughter, daughter and like <laughs> try to convince him. <laughs> convince her that he's not a bad man you know and then at the end when he gets caught he like thanks nicholas cage because like nicholas cage like didn't let's like pound on him he like at the end of the day nicholas cage like oh well yeah just like let him have his moment yeah 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 yeah, exactly that's so funny the nicholas cage is like asshole (laughs) in like the most nicholas cage way ever you're like wow this is i thought they were about to hug and now he's just yelling in his face i really loved the shootout like the 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 mexican standoff they have at the end i'm not really sure why that <laughs> happens when all their guns are pointed at each other and then they all just start killing each other i'm not hun- <laughs> oh, is yeah. it because is it because ed ed harris like doesn't want them to go through the, with the plan yeah well that, that, that's he what, disables yeah right yeah yeah and then but what, what ends up happening is his partner they all have got guns pointed at each other and then the part his his sort of right hand <laughs> man decides that he's going to join the other team, quote unquote, and then right. then tries to kill them. And then that starts everyone firing. And then Sean Connery's yeah. like, I'm going to get in there, too. And then they start the firing corner. from where they are, <laughs> taking out other guys. Uh, it's just that was wild. It's just a romp. It yeah. is absurd in every way. It's absurd. Uh, oh, my God. And the Tony Todd and Nicolas Cage. um Showdown when he's like, do you like the rocket <laughs> man? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like now soft. you are the rocket man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't like soft stuff. I don't like stuff. soft stuff. He's like, well. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> oh, that was wild. Well, let's just get right into there. Uh, I had asked, well, this isn't something we typically do on Synodots, but given the 
unbelievable screenplay of The Rock. I felt it was necessary for us to choose our our favorite lines of dialogue. Was that yours, Boom, or was there another one you wanted to call out? Um, okay, that was definitely one of them. I would probably say, I feel like we're all going to bring this one up. The most random, like the most what the fuck line was the prom queen line. Oh, yeah. Sorry, James. <laughs> but like <laughs> when he's like, um, what does he say? He's like, like, cause Nicholas Cage is like, yeah, oh, I have it written down. Would you like me to, would you like me to perform it? Or should we act it out together? Yeah. Okay. Who do, then, you oh, who do you want to be? I'm Nick Cage, obviously. Okay. Listen, okay, okay. I'm Leo. Ian, Going for the big one. No, you, no, you two do it. You two do it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh, I'm I'm doing my best here, man. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Sorry, Jay. Carla was the prom queen. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's like, oh yeah, his wife. Remember her? It's like, she, what? so they've yeah. known each other since they were kids, I guess. So they're like, um, high excuse me, sweeter. girlfriend. It is not his wife. Oh, it right. is his girlfriend. She is Catholic and unmarried. Yeah, Do you know how? Oh, right. Do you know how crazy that is? That sex scene, uh, her oh. outfit is unbelievable. Like, what is she wearing? In the, a, they're on the roof somewhere, and like he's calling. To, I have he's to in pick a folding up. chair. <laughs> he's in a folding chair. <laughs> it's so insane. Uh, catcher, what's your what's your pick for your your favorite line? Glass or plastic. <laughs> Glass or plastic? <laughs> like what? If the wind changes a bit when you launch that missile, we'll all die, and you'll go home in either a glass jar, glass jar, or a body bag. Like what are you talking? <laughs> like where did that come from? He was just like, I gotta distract him. It's cool, and just like his delivery of that is just like what? <laughs> glass or plastic? Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. My favorite line, yeah, while not the most outrageous, I think it's the context of the scene. It's when mm. they, uh, Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery, get to the Rock with the with the squad. They there's for some reason some sort of fire death trap that they have to like get through, and <laughs> everyone's scared to do it. So Sean Connery like does it, and he like rolls through this like Indiana Jones, like flamethrower revolving door, booby trap, death booby yeah. trap. And then he comes out the, and when he gets through, everyone kind of looks at each other and then he opens the door and he just goes, welcome to the rock. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Like, it's like, oh man, I have a hard time kind of guiding this conversation in our typical way because there's just, it just feels like we just need to talk about random parts of the movie that sort of stand out. Okay, wait. Was there anything else before we get to our categories? I have a question for you yes. guys. Okay, Let's, here we go. I'm here's, just going to throw the critical film thinking that yep. people come here for. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely not that, but like, <laughs> okay. I have a question. Cause you guys were Michael Bay stands here. So that's real. So what? you guys are Nicholas cage and you have to bring someone along with you to break mm -hmm. in to Alcatraz, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. character from a Michael Bay film oh baby would you bring with you Op optimus prime <laughs> he just fucking fist slam it <laughs> that counts optimus prime yep i mean cool. hard to say i mean will smith from bad boys seems to be like a good pick mike larry yeah my heart wants to go with bruce i mean bruce harry bruce. stamper from armageddon obviously 
He could drill um, in, right? He could drill in. He would be a good guy to have along with you. Um, but I, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, he he would he'd he's the strategic mind that would be required to to if if he can blow up an asteroid with a day of NASA training, he could get into Alcatraz. No problem. <laughs> so, one of one of those two. I'll tell you who I wouldn't bring. Um, Martin Lawrence's character. <laughs> no. He wouldn't even have even gotten in the sewers. Yeah. yeah. He, he would not have lasted long. Uh, okay, cool. Was there anything else anyone was dying to talk about before we get to the categories? Oh, we have to we have to bring shout out the Pirates of the Caribbean score. Okay. Oh, Thank yeah. you, Hans Zimmer. Oh, yeah. The score in general, I thought was both amazing, but like mostly awful. <laughs> <laughs> like it was fun and it, but it was just like, you were so, I feel like it, scores are meant to kind of compliment what's going on, maybe elevate them. And it was just so distracting. Like the music mm-hmm. was always very distracting. Maybe it's because it sounded like the Pirates of the Caribbean score. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yep. d- wasn't vibing with it. It was almost <laughs> identical and it is the same. Like a lot of composers do sort of test out themes in old movies. There's like, you, if you just search yeah. YouTube videos, there's like plenty of examples of it, but the reuse of the pirates, everything was pretty, <laughs> yeah. was pretty obvious. And I think since that is so iconic to pirates of the Caribbean now, the dun, 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 I, it, yeah. it, I'll splice in music from The Rock and music from Pirates of the Caribbean in this episode so people can nice. hear it. You tell us who, which one's which. Yeah, yeah, but it is like very, very similar. So that is distracting. I was just going to say, like I said to you guys, like I just instantly imagined when I heard those like those la- of like that music, I just instantly imagined Jack Sparrow like right. on a zip line. I was like, this is <laughs> I was like, I'm in T- Tortuga right now. Like I'm not in San Francisco. <laughs> the thing I do love, I have like a guilty pleasure loving of 90s action movies is like mm. the egregious use of electric guitar with <laughs> strings. Like for some reason, Hans that's, Zimmer, that's, Hans Zimmer his, does that's that his bread and butter. That, that, that's his thing. Yeah. Like I love it. It works. It's just definitely distracting, but it works really well. Like he even does it in Gladiator, I want to say. But it, it something about it, it it works so well, uh, especially in like this time of movies. If like Fast and the Furious now did that, I don't think it would work. But just something about the period and the style of action, yeah, it, it's perfect. Catch what were you gonna say? Um, well, there is an interesting like music cue that I noticed at the end of the movie that was quite interesting to me. So um, the the place gets bombed at the end. Spoilers, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> half bombed. I guess I don't know how you can half bomb something, but. Um, he, uh, Nicholas Cage jumps in the water and mm-hmm. then lo and behold, Sean Connery, you know, their relationship, their bond is real. He jumps in mm-hmm. to save his life and to mm-hmm. sa- save him from drowning. The music cue is like something from a love story. 
It's like <laughs> it's so romantic. It's so much more romantic than any of the other music that happens in this. And it's just like, is this a love story? Like are these? Yeah. This is this is absolutely. a bromance. This is the bromance. It is. You know. Mm-hmm. And it was just and like it gets pretty romantic after, like from that point on. Yeah, know, he sends him like a secret little love letter at at at. Uh, he seen he. What does he send him? Like the 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 evidence of who killed JFK? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like <laughs> last, some of the information the that he stole. Right, he's got all of yeah. these documents yeah. that he stole from J Edgar Hoover, and one some of the evidence yeah. is like a roll of film that proves who killed JFK. <laughs> I was thinking, is this like the is this the prequel to uh, National Treasure? It's like is this <laughs> yeah. where, how it starts? This is where the bones are in there. Yeah, yeah maybe exactly. Nick was inspired by that idea. He That's becomes, hilarious. He becomes National Treasure. I love when they're saying goodbye and how far it's like he like looks down and then he like looks over and Sean Connery is just like already like on the other side of like the wall just staring at him and walking I'm like how'd you get over there in a second and and then he just disappears and Nicholas Cage feels no need to like go after him or anything I know it's so good I know (sighs) there's so many things about this okay one last thing yeah this movie, the way they use like text on mm-hmm. film to explain mm-hmm. where you are, perfect example. Mm-hmm. Like it's like uh, where is it? Like Naval Weapons Depot. It's like that. There's no building <laughs> that's just called like Naval Weapons Depot that you would go into. But it's just like <laughs> here you are. This is where we're at. We're at the place with the weapons. Remember Navy? He's in the Navy and weapons. That's why we're here. And then, and then there's like when they go in to get uh, uh, Sean Connery from his cell and they mm-hmm. sort of like the camera sort of pans through his cell revealing like his conditions and like tucked underneath his bed or just like a book that says Shakespeare on it. And then <laughs> Art of War. The Art of War. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, okay, what, what you t- okay, this is all you need to know about this guy, okay? He loves his Shakespeare and his Art of War. It's like, he loves oh. Sun Tzu, yeah. He loves military philosophy. Yes, okay. But hey, but, that's, what got, that's what got them through the, 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 the fight. That's right. But the most absurd of all of the things that happened in this movie do you know what it says on his wife's tombstone? No, I did not catch that detail. Boom, did you see what it says? No, his, please share. His, so he goes to his his wife's tombs like grave mm-hmm. to be like, "Listen, babe, I got to I'm going to do this really this is Ed Harris. Ed Harris mm-hmm. care, he goes and he's like, "I'm going to do something really bad, babe. I'm sorry, but you know why I got to do it. I'm sorry." And then he leaves. So they get to they cut that he's walking up to it and it cuts to a shot of the grave and I'll, it says his wife Barbara Hummel and then her birth date and death date it just says his wife it doesn't say anything oh, yes, else yes I did it, catch that it's just like what his wife it's like that, that what kind of well who writes that on a tombstone but it's like you just need to know what this oh. is not his daughter this is not his friend this is his wife What did I say about Michael Bay just putting all the cards on the table right away? He's he's not risking you missing details like that. None none at all. (laughs) No, nothing. He doesn't know. No confusion. His Uh, wife. I keeled over. It was amazing. Uh, The rock. rock. All right, let's get to our categories here. First off, our criterion moment. I'll go first. This one is tough because there are plenty Mm. of moments that I think justify based off my logic earlier its placement in the movie uh but for me i just think 
the icing on the cake of this whole thing is at the very end when Nicolas Cage is able to deactivate the bomb and he's, there's about to be an airstrike and it's just him running out to the, to like the rock (laughs) face of Alcatraz with the two green flares up signaling that he was able to shut it off. These planes go by and then the bombs drop and he goes flying into the ocean. Just that whole thing is like super Michael Bay and just so over the top and And really just like nick of time. Everything is just like, if you came for anything other than this moment, what are you doing here? Yeah. So for me, that that's the moment. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Just when the planes like zoom past them, you're like, my God, this is the most American thing that's ever been made. Yeah. Right. And there's the guy like is even so like, I dropped it. I still press it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Can't not have the explosion. How do you no. set up an explosion and then not have the explosion? Yeah, you got to have it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Who's next? I was going to say, like, I was going to pick that same moment. So I'm kind of at a loss. Maybe it's that moment or when Sean Connery in a very Sean Connery way goes like uh, when they're asking when they're trying to negotiate with him and he's like, I need a suite, a shower, and the feel of a shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my criterion moment. Amazing. Perfect. Uh, uh, catch. Uh, Ian's moment was the criterion moment in terms of that, but the one I wanted to pick was uh, Ed Harris, the, the sequence when he basically like lays out the plan and then calls up the White House and basically is like, this is what's going on, and this is what I want. And then uh, and then is at the table negotiating, and he tells that mm-hmm. dude to, like, cover his mouth with rigor tape because he's young and doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, that whole sequence is just, like, Ed Harris doing his job, mm-hmm. which is to sell this dude's competent, like, his whole persona, his confidence, why he's there, what he's doing, and what he's capable of. And, like, he just knocks it out of the park big time. Mm. Mm. Ed Harris. Yeah. Bless. Let's go to our satellite picks. Reverse order. Catcher, what's yours? Okay, so you don't have to watch the whole movie because it's not necessary. <laughs> but Underground 6, is that the movie he oh. made with Netflix? <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Okay, so. Six Underground, right? Six Underground. Right, right. Okay, that's okay. That's the one. Okay, so go uh-huh. on to Netflix. You search that up. And you just watch the opening sequence. So is it a, an ad for Alfa Romeo? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> is it like some of the craziest editing and like action editing and uh, of an, any movie I've ever seen? Yes. This movie, it does crazy and incredible things that works for that chunk of time. And mm-hmm. I think Michael Bay excelled at like being a video director and a, like a short. He like was a, a music short, video director before. Yeah, that's how right. he started. Yeah. Right. And I think he's he thinks in chunks of time like that, shorter chunks of time. And that's why his movies, I think, sometimes feel the way they do. Because it's just like he has these amazing, incredible moments, but maybe the sinew ties them is weird. But the action is bananas. It's like truly impressive what happens in the first sequence of that movie. Six under six underground? Underground six. Mm-hmm. Six underground. Yeah. Nice. I've also heard that review that basically you can turn it off after the first yeah. 15 minutes or so. But it's like truly <laughs> it's insane. breathtaking. Like you feel like you're watching something new. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Nice. Boom. What about you? Um, I got to go with Bad Boys. Like mm-hmm. that's my, that's my Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. I'll never get sick of watching it. It's hilarious. It's action packed. 
it's everything. Um, so yeah, bad boys, yeah. bad nice. boys. What you gonna do? Mm-hmm. What you gonna do? Uh, for me, my pick is also a perfect movie. Also a nineties action movie. Also starring, I say also a perfect movie. Like the rock is a perfect movie. Yeah. That's not my implication. <laughs> this, is, this is a perfect action movie from the 90s starring Nicolas Cage, and that is Face Off. Oh, with, dude, with no, I so badly wanted to watch this while I was watching with, this movie. With no irony at all, I think Face Off is a perfect nice. movie. That movie is unbelievable, complete insanity from top to bottom. Nicolas Cage, John Travolta playing each other. <laughs> just... Another like amalgam of of mid nineties popular culture, yeah. late nineties popular culture. This is it. So Face this off. is not the criterion. So it is uh, just something we're not going to talk about on the show. Well, maybe at some point, but likely <laughs> not going to bring it up. But this is a perfect, perfect movie. And if we're talking about something that captures nineties action movies, this is the one. So Face Off, really? just oh, love that movie. Incredible. All right, so those are our satellite picks and our criterion moments for The Rock. <laughs> Before we get to our emails, boom. Uh, is there any good social media tea we have coming? <laughs> tea with boom. Oh, tea yeah. with, is, it's, time for, tea. it's time for tea with boom. Is there anything interesting okay. uh, on our social universe that you want to discuss? A few things. So we did, um, like we did a question box on Instagram asking people what their favorite uh, action films were. To die hard, stay die in line with the uh, with the rock. Nobody picked Die Hard actually, oh, or did they? No. So my sister picked Face Off. Ian, nice. we got Born series. Um, Marcy picked John Wick two. Mel picked all the John Wicks. Uh, Ren Mike D picked Roadhouse. Des- Desari <laughs> picked Amazing. John Wick. Um, I picked Bad Boys and Mike picked or Catcher picked Scott Pilgrim. So nice. I couldn't think that of like, fun. I'm sure there's better action movies, but I love that movie. No, that's so. a great movie. I love yeah. that movie. Me too. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Nice. And then I guess the only other T is that Ian is likely psychic Why? Um, because you gave us your Oscar predictions and I oh. think and ended up guessing 36 out of um, what was it like? Thirty six out of forty three, right? Forty three, yeah, pretty Jeez. good percentage yes. there. And also on the t- on the T Raider, I finally have like I've I've ruffled a feather. Uh-oh. Danny over at seventy millimeter called my ass out last week because <laughs> I rated. Um, the Devil Wears Prada, two and a half stars on Letterbox. Oh, uh, I know. I have issue with that also. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Listen, what? I just, I wasn't, a, I wasn't about it in that moment. It wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> Listen, sometimes wow. things aren't for you at first and sometimes that changes, you know? Oh my. Well, oh here, my. here's the thing. It's the acting incredible. Is it entertaining? Yes. I just that very day could not didn't need to sit around and watch a movie <laughs> where they're like glamorizing eating disorders and talking about like sure, not, sure, that's fair. Not, like doing this to get to like friggin fashion week. I'm like, it's 2021. Lizzo is at the Grammys in Balmain. <laughs> like we have moved on. I don't need this. But I love you, Meryl. I love you, Anne. I love you, Emily. <laughs> I have to shout out. 
Meryl, one of the greatest monologues in film history. Oh yeah. Is when Anne Hathaway is looking at the dress and she's like, yeah. Miranda Priestly is just deciding which blue belt to use. And Andy kind of scuffs. And then Miranda Priestly is like this stuff and goes on that rant about blue. Yes. Oh God. Just iconic moment in Meryl's She kills career. it, but I was rolling my eyes. I was like, what is she even talking about? <laughs> None of this matters. There's a pandemic <laughs> yeah. going around and people yeah. are dying. Nobody cares about your belt. It's iconic. I think, like, let me just sit here in my sweatpants and be sad, okay, Meryl? <laughs> I don't care just what color they blue. are. Uh, yeah. I need to watch this again. I haven't watched it in years. Maybe I'll go and watch it and I'll report back. Yeah, please do. All right. We have a week to heal. <laughs> we have a couple emails here. Um, nice. If you want to shoot us an email, you can go to synonotspod at gmail.com. Uh, first one is from Marcy. Marcy says, Marcy. it's titled A Fish Story. Hello, Synonauts. <laughs> I'm really enjoying the show so far. I wanted to come forward and say that I also have a problem with fish. My yes, husband Marcy. is an avid fisher, and I usually go along with him. When we first started dating, and he told me it was one of my favorite things, it was one of his favorite things. I like, I like a fool lied and said it was also one of mine. As you See, that's do. a sign of early true love. <laughs> yeah. A couple months later, we went on our first fishing adventure. We had to walk to our spot. And my husband cast a reel and left me alone with everything while he went to move the car. Well, sure enough, as soon as he was gone, the bobber went down. There was a fish on the line. I panicked to reel the fish in, but soon learned I'm terrified by taking them off the hook. Well, she caught it. That's good. Yeah, way to go. Uh, my husband was nowhere in sight, so I decided to put the fish on the ground while it was on the hook, <laughs> thinking it would be fine. Big mistake. It flailed around in the dirt. By the time my husband came back, <laughs> the fish was covered in mud, and I was crying. Needless to say, he never leaves me alone now while we go fishing. Sorry for the lengthy email, but just wanted to say I stand with Boom on the fish situation. Great pick yes. this week, Catcher. I love The Rock and Sean Connery very much. Thanks for the awesome show, Marcy. Oh, Amazing. Thanks, Listen, Marcy, we're gonna what a tail. That's rough, though. Yeah, we're gonna call Michael Bay right now, and we're gonna get him to turn that into a movie that because does sound like a Michael that Bay story movie. needs to be told. Yeah, like what would happen in the Michael Bay movie is like Marcy's husband would have get, gotten kidnapped because he was a secret spy, and Marcy didn't know. <laughs> and Marcy would have to like use this knowledge of fishing to go save him from like yeah. some Russian military <laughs> camp. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Against her deep fear of fish. I love it. Yes. Go girl. <laughs> Go girl. Uh, second email. This comes from our friend Chuck Forsman. Oh, Chuck. A bad <laughs> spider. Yes. Attention Synonauts listeners. <laughs> this transmission is from Chuck Forsman from the system of bat and spider. I will be arriving next week just in time to discuss <gasps> 1973's Enter the Dragon. What? Starring a very talented young man, Bruce oh Lee. Big thanks to Ian God. for inviting me to the Synonauts universe. I look forward to discussing this martial arts action classic with all of you. Thank you. Oh, yes. Got him. Oh. Yes. Got, oh got him. What? Got him. Tell that me about amazing. this. Tell me about got him. this. Uh, I wanted to do Enter the Dragon a couple weeks ago, but we had spent so much time in like Asian cinema. Yeah. Enter the Dragon mm. is an American film, but Bruce Lee, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, yeah. We spent a lot of time there, so I wanted to mix it up. And then I remembered our dear friend Chuck over at Bat and Spider is a big uh, Bruce Lee nice. guy. And so I was like, let's get Chuck on. Let's get, let's get 
let's get my guess on because I totally yeah. failed on getting one before when we started looking at one in a row. <laughs> uh, but that's I'm glad amazing. We so we got Chuck coming on next yeah. week. I've never, I've never seen Enter the Dragon. I've like it's been on my list forever. I'm so excited. I'm stoked for the next ep of Bat and Spider because they're doing Gonja and S. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. Yeah, one of Boom's favorite movies. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the Bruce Lee box set. I actually haven't busted it open, so I'm oh. excited to watch it. Oh, this is Listen. awesome. Listen. Yes. It's meant to be. That's awesome. This is great. Oh, I'm stoked. So, surprise, y'all. Nicely we done. Got, yes. We got you. Uh, oh, I'm so excited. Chuck, Charles Horthman of uh, Bat and Spider fame coming Dude, on. Sweet. Chuck to chat about Enter the Dragon next week. Very, very exciting. So stoked. Yes. Well, we have uh, that was a fun episode. I'm still I'm still <laughs> shocked right now about a wild a wild conversation. Uh, catchers speechless at the surprise guests I pulled out of the hat. Yeah, next I'm week. stoked. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks Good everybody catcher. for emailing in. Yes, thanks everyone for emailing. Yeah, in. thanks everybody. And uh, we'll talk Ciao. to y'all later. Bye. Yahoo. Bye. Bye.